Amen. Turn your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 28. And I'm going to have, I need a few men. Brother Cody, if you can come. Brother Tony, if you would come. And uh, we just need to hand out. Now, I'm going to give you, my wife has my sermon. And uh, because she was still finishing it up for me. Um, I'm going to give you a copy of my outline tonight, all right? It's not a fill-in-the-blank like we sometimes do in a Bible study. This is my notes for the night, all right? It's a lot more notes than I typically have. Uh, I wanted, This is just half the message, but I want to give it to you uh, because we're going to talk about what the world needs. And what the world needs is Jesus Christ. And uh, after about 18 months, we're going to start more of a public outreach again. I'm thankful for that. I'm excited about that. We've been doing some small outreaches. We've been doing our vacation Bible school, but we've mainly been doing it with kids we know. And uh, we know that when we get out into the world and knock on a door that there's going to be some pushback uh, because of COVID. And somebody says, what about the mandates? Here's the most important mandate right here, going into all the world and preach the gospel. And so we're going to do our very best to be obedient and follow that. I'm thankful for all the avenues that we've had open to us, but it's, uh, I believe, time that we start opening up some more doors and uh, doing some more work. And so tonight we're going to look at just a refresher course on really how to lead a soul to Christ, how important that is that we know that. And I want to give you the notes so that you have the scripture right in your hand. Stick that in your Bible. I would encourage you, uh, next week, Lord willing, Sunday night, we'll finish the second half of this message. And when we do that, one of the, uh, one of the points, or the last points, are some essential cornerstones. And I'm going to give you just some list of verses that are important that you might memorize. All right? I hope that you memorize Scripture. Here's, here's what the Bible says. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Memorizing scripture helps you to walk a godly and righteous life before Christ. And so memorize scripture, it's important. Commit it to your memory, commit it to your heart. And it's something that, that will, you, you'll be surprised while other things leave you, scripture will not. How many of you agree with that? Believe that, all right? Mrs. Snively in the hospital uh, had, had a moment a couple weeks ago and she was wondering where Reg was. Reg was her husband. He died 20 years ago. But then a couple minutes later, she was able to say Psalm 23 with us. So we forget a lot of things. But you say, well, why do we forget? We don't forget Scripture because thy word have I hid in my where? It's here. It's not just here. Right? So praise the Lord. God puts it just right in our heart. And it's in hours when we need it that God reminds us and helps us with Scripture. I still remember the very first memory verse that I have, oh, I suppose there were little short ones that I remember, God is love, 1 John 4, 4, or things like that from when I was in kindergarten. But the very first verse that I had to memorize when I got into a Sunday school class that actively taught scripture memorization, I still remember it today. Isaiah 41, 10, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I'll help thee, yea, I'll uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Never forgotten it from the time I was about five years old. And so it's important that we memorize and commit Scripture to our hearts. And so I wanted you to have this in your hand. This is my outline. And please, please, please uh, don't sit there. If you start circling things, I'm going to get self-conscious. Well, he spelt that wrong and he did this wrong, all right? His grammar's wrong. Honestly, this is more of an outline than I normally have. I put full sentences and things. A lot. Of, if you saw what I normally have, it's very pointed just so that I can remember the direction I'm trying to head. So let's look tonight, Matthew chapter 28. I hope that that's a help to you. Um, 
As, as you look at, there's a lot of scripture here, all right? So Matthew chapter 28, you all know these verses that we're going to refer to tonight. Look at verse 19, Matthew chapter 28, back up to verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore. Now, we sometimes pull verse 19 out and just say, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. But you have to understand, the word therefore means because of. Because all power is given unto me in heaven and earth, because of that I want you to go. So in other words, he's enduing us with his power to go out in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and preach the gospel. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says and bears that out for us. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Ye shall be witnesses. And so we have the power of God upon us when we are witnessing and sharing Christ with others. Let me say this. If you would actively go and start telling somebody about Jesus Christ, you will find an unusual presence of the Holy Spirit working through your life that you've not known in other cases. There are are certain times, listen, the Holy Spirit said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We always have his presence in our lives as children of God. But there are times where his presence is unusual. There are times where his presence is unusual. In times of great grief and sorrow, the Holy Spirit's presence is unusual. He brings us a comfort and a peace that passes understanding. And I believe that's why he says, passes under, the world can't understand it. It's different. And when you are speaking on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ and you are telling others about him, his presence is unusual in your life. He told the disciples that when you come before, don't think any thought about what you might say, for I will speak through you. I will give you the words to say. And we find that that is the case when we are telling somebody about the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me share something with you before we start tonight and see if I can illustrate that point. And listen to me. When I say this, I say this in all sincerity, I do not believe in speaking in tongues for the modern day church. I don't believe that. The Bible says very plainly, tongues shall cease. Some will say, well, when that which is perfect is come. No, no, no. When that which is perfect is come, that which is done in part shall be done away with. Tongues were never in part. It says we know in part and we prophesy in part. Those two things are tied to that, but tongues just simply cease. And we see throughout Scripture that they begin to quiet down as we move to the end of the book of Acts. I do not believe that they are for this day and age. I believe they were an apostolic gift. And that's a whole other message. But I preface my next comments by saying that so that you understand I don't believe that what happened was speaking in tongues. I was asked to go to a fellow's place. We had a a Spanish couple in our church. And the Spanish couple uh, had a cousin that had come from, I believe he was from Peru. And they said, we want you to come and share the gospel with him. And so I I asked Noel Mendez to come with me. Noel was from Nicaragua, and he spoke fluent Spanish, and he loved the Lord, and he wanted to help. But I said, Noel, would you come on this soul winning visit with me? We need to talk. Uh, Rico and Rose have a cousin, and, and they want us to share the gospel with them. And he said, sure, I'll come. Well, Spanish culture, they're late for everything. I'm just going to be honest. Except my wife, she's pretty good actually. But I I remember, I've I've been in Texas and I've been in the middle of that and I've seen that circus, you know what I'm saying? And 
So I sat there for an hour, and he hadn't come. And he finally he called the house and where we were. We didn't have text in those days or anything. He called, and he said, I'm coming, I'm coming. I got tied up at work, and I couldn't get out and whatever. And so he said, I'm on my way. I'll be there. And so what do we do? I began to share the gospel. And for an hour, I'm just talking to him and sharing the gospel and telling him in English, and he's listening and not understanding a word. And then when Noel came, Noel says, God talking to him in Spanish and began to interpret, and he said this. Here's what he said. I don't believe in speaking in tongues. He says, when the pastor spoke, we didn't under, I didn't understand a word of what he was saying. And, I kind of, and Noel just kind of laughed, and I knew that he didn't understand, but I was trying to do my best. He said, but when he opened the Bible and read from the scriptures, he read it in perfect Spanish. He heard every word. That's the Holy Spirit of God doing it. I didn't do it. I didn't speak in tongues. Nothing like that happened. But God wanted him to be saved. And that night he accepted Christ. And Noel was able to interpret the rest and, and we were able to lead in the Lord. I'm just saying that when, when you are witnessing for the Lord Jesus Christ, the Spirit does something unusual. He empowers you. Because God is not willing that any should perish. But that all should come to Repentance. And so Matthew chapter 28 says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Mark chapter 16 verse 15 says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. Help us to understand it tonight. Speak to our hearts. I pray that you'd motivate us to do more to reach a lost and dying world for Jesus. And Father, we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's look at our notes tonight. You have those notes before you, and I will, I will try to preach, but honestly, it'll be more teaching than it will be preaching. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30 says this, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Let's just stop there for a moment. You can see the verse before you, and you know there's more to it. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. That's an interesting statement. The Bible is talking about the fruit of a righteous person. And the Bible says there is none righteous, but this is what we do know, that we can have the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ in our life. We can be declared righteous through the doctrine of justification because Jesus Christ died on the cross. And so though I'm a sinner, I'm declared righteous or right with God because of what Jesus did, and I've put my faith and trust in him. And so the Bible says this, the tree or the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Here's what we know about the tree of life in the garden of Eden. It was the tree that was blocked off from Adam and Eve, lest they take it and live forever. It was there in the midst of the garden with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Adam and Eve were enticed to take of the wrong tree. But had they taken of the tree of life, God said, they would live forever, so he put them out of the garden so that the curse of sin could have its full effect upon them. We know in Revelation chapter 22, the Bible says that there is the tree of life. And the tree of life was for the nations to come and to take of it that they might have eternal life. Think about that in the context of Proverbs chapter 11. The fruit of the righteous, in other words, what I am to be producing is like a tree of life Offering eternal life to others because of the message of salvation through Jesus Christ. 
That's what we're supposed to be doing. Offering salvation through the word of God and teaching people in a lost and dying world about Jesus that they might know him and come to a saving knowledge of him and have have eternal life. And the rest of the verse says, and he that winneth souls is wise. I think it's important tonight, first of all, that we understand the commission. That we understand the commission. We must also accept the commission. Uh, Listen, it's one thing to understand something, but have you accepted it? Believe it to be true, knowing that God has commissioned us to go into a lost and dying world. We say, well, I understand that, but have you accepted the assignment? Have you said, I want to be obedient to the Lord and following his will for my life? And you say, well, what is God's will for my life? Here's one thing I know about God's will for every person in this room. God is not willing that any should perish. He's not willing that any should perish. And so he's told each one of us to go and tell somebody else. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. So we must accept the commission. It's a command to share. Go ye therefore and teach. We're commanded to share with others. It's not always easy. We're going to talk about that a little bit later on tonight. How do, how do we break that ice? How do we get into the conversation with somebody else and and, and try to lead them to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's important that we're able to do that. Let me say this. When you truly love somebody, you'll want them to go to heaven. Let me say this. Every person in hell tonight would be a better soul winner than any one of us if they could come back and tell somebody. Do you remember the rich man who lifted up his eyes in hell being in torment in the flame? Do you know what he said? Go and tell my five brothers. Please. I didn't care a thing about the gospel when I lived on earth, but please go and tell my five brothers not to come to this terrible place. So we must accept the Great Commission and understand it is a command that we share the gospel with others, but it is a covenant of the Spirit. The Bible says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. The Spirit of God has covenanted that he will be with you. The Holy Ghost shall come upon you and ye shall be witnesses. We have the very promise of God that he will go with us and help us to reach a lost and dying world because it is God's will that people get saved. So we must understand the commission and we must understand the consequences. As a child of God, we know too well what hell is like. We have heard of it, but do we have a true vision of it and what it means if we fail in telling somebody about Jesus? How many of you tonight, don't raise your hand, would say there are the names of many that weigh upon me that have slipped off into eternity and I have no idea where they ended up and I could have told them. I could have told them. Several years ago, some of you might remember, a friend of mine had been my friend when we were children. He died. It wasn't an accident or anything, he became a drunkard and fell and hit his head and had a brain bleed and died. And through the the next few days, Emily and I had to go to London, I guess it was. I'm not sure what what we were doing, but I went through Tilsonburg and stopped at his dad's place to 
say hi and just offer my condolences. And through all of that, I ended up preaching the funeral. And I was a bit overwhelmed when I saw how many of my classmates came. And all the Lord would let me do that day was apologize to them and saying, I'm sorry that I didn't share the gospel of Jesus Christ with you then. But please let me now. I'm so thankful for that opportunity to share with several of them what I had failed to do in high school. And I wonder, as I read the newspaper, I have seen other people I've went to high school with that have died. And that weighs on me. And for whatever reason, people that I maybe didn't even know all that well, I read their obituary and their name gets stuck in my head. Mike Mitchell. Just name after name that just, I I couldn't believe how many. The church family, two sisters dying. We have to tell. There are consequences for those dear folks. It's a lost eternity without Christ in a place called the lake of fire. So we must understand the commission and we must understand the consequences. So let's start with Roman numeral one tonight, engaging in conversation. Engaging in conversation. Listen, this is not going to be comprehensive by any means. And I'm going to be honest with you, what works, you, you have to be fluid. What works with one person may not work with another. You have inroads with certain people that other people don't have inroads with. You have conversation starters that others will not have. You have some people that are religious. So they already believe in heaven or hell. But they don't believe in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They believe, well, I've been baptized or I'm a part of the church or whatever. So you have a whole different thing to unpack and, and decipher. But the gospel remains the same. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And so we just keep having to unravel all these untruths and start chopping away at the the roots of deception and start preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And for some, they may hear the gospel the first time and realize their need and say, this is what I've been looking for and accept Christ as Savior. For others, it may take 20, 25, 50 years before their guard is down and they accept Jesus. Ida, how long did you pray for your dad? 24 years before George accepted Christ. When George accepted Christ, we were down to visit, went down for their baptism, or Ida went down for the baptism, and then I followed down lately or shortly after. And we started, we gave him a nickname, we called him Zacchaeus. Because every time he'd disappear for a while, we'd say, where's George? Nobody knew where he was. He'd come back and he'd have tears coming down his face. He says, ah, oh, I remembered that guy I did wrong 33 years ago and I had to give him a call. Had to make it right. That's what Zacchaeus did. He went around and righted all his wrongs. And George would just keep disappearing and doing that. Boy, when Jesus gets a hold of a life, he can change it. Turn you upside down. That's what the world needs. So how do we engage in conversation? The Bible says to preach the gospel. The Bible says to teach all nations. Understand that those are verbal. We, we, can, we can live a life. You say, well, I believe in lifestyle evangelism, and I think you ought to have a good testimony. Don't get me wrong. 
But there comes a point where you have to open your lips and testify of the Lord Jesus Christ. There comes a point where you have to be confrontational. And when I say confrontational, I I don't mean you have to grab somebody by the scruff of the neck and say, are you going to get saved? I heard a comedian years ago say, when the rapture takes place, I'm going to grab a couple sinners in each hand. And when I get up to about 5,000 feet, I'm going to say, are you, do you get saved or do I let go? That's not what we're talking about. Some believers believe that's what it means by confrontation. No, confrontational means you actually speak to people. You confront them. You talk about their need of a savior. And, and by the way, you need to share that you were once lost too and that you were once just like the world and Jesus Christ came in and changed your life because then it's a personal testimony. So we need to preach the gospel and teach all nations. And, and by the way, it's different in a lot of places. In some places you can go and you can set up a soapbox and you can get up and you can preach on the streets. But I'm going to be honest, that's not super effective in downtown Simcoe anymore. People need one-on-one. They need to be spoken to not shouted at. They need to be shown the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ that the Spirit of God may work. Frankly, it's not as effective as one-on-one. So some, some are naturals. Some of you have the ability to just go and talk to people. Others are shy. You come in, you find your pew, you stay there, and you don't move. You wait till everybody's gone, you sneak out, or you go out the back door or something. Some of you are just naturals. My wife and I are very different that way. And I never used to be. I was shy. But we go to a meeting somewhere, and she goes and she finds her seat. We go to the Northeast Vision Summit. She goes and finds her seat. And me, I'm out talking to everybody. I go around. I want to see old friends, and I want to visit with people, and I want to see Dr. Sisk, and I want to talk. Not her. We're different personalities. If you have that personality where you can easily talk to somebody, that's a good head start. But here's the truth. And think about this. I'm not getting into the preaching yet. I'm just giving you some tips. If you say, I'm not natural at speaking, I'm naturally shy, you may have an advantage over somebody else because you're going to rely upon the Spirit of God more. You're going to have to pray more. You're going to have to step out of your comfort zone and say, God, you've got to do this because I'm not able. So let's look at some things tonight. So some tips for us. Number one, the scripture must provide the convincing. All right? The scripture must provide the convincing. Here's what I understand. L- let me say it this way. Somebody just shared with us the other night, hon, who was it that was talking about the train with the, with the bridge up and if they kill their child? Do you remember who that was? Pardon me? Calvin, was that Calvin? Was it you who was just sharing that with us? I literally, at teen class, that's right, you were sharing about how the conductor or the fellow that had the train bridge and, and uh, if, the, if he put the bridge down, his son who was sleeping in the gear room would be crushed to death. But if he didn't put it down, everybody on the train would die. Calvin, Brother Calvin, I, I heard that illustration 30 years ago in Bible college. So it's, it's probably an urban legend. It's probably a myth. And he, he said that. He thought it was probably an urban legend. But the, the analogy is there. But listen, here's the thing. You may have a clever story, a great testimony you can share about what God has done for you. But if you're not using Scripture, all you're doing is manipulating people. You understand what I'm saying? If you're not using scripture, all you're doing is manipulating people. David Koresh can do that. 
Jim Jones can get people to drink the Kool-Aid. And the more charismatic you are, the bigger group you can draw, and you could start a, build a building, and you could put the name church on it, and you could draw a crowd, and you could get people into a frenzy. As a matter of fact, I guarantee if I put out on the sign tonight, hey, we're going to have a political rally, and we're going to stand for this, that, and the other thing, I probably have more people here tonight than preaching the gospel. So we can manipulate people with words. Listen, the scripture must do the convincing. And here's the problem. Over the years, we've had a lot of converts unto ourselves because they've not been converted by God's holy word. The apostle Peter tells us that we are born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed, which is the word of God. They have to be saved by the word of God. I, I can't emphasize that enough. And so you say, well, I, I'm just no good at this soul winning thing. I'm no good at speaking to people or engaging in conversation. Here's the thing. You don't have to be. Let the scripture do the talking. So in other words, learn scripture. There should be some basic verses that we all understand and know. And by the way, you've probably heard the Romans road around here for the last 40 years so many times that most of those verses, you already know them. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5.8, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Those are verses, I'm going to be honest with you, I never sat down to memorize them. I just heard them so much over the years, they just got in my heart. And you should know some of those basic verses. Listen, l- let me say this. Would you go to war without a weapon? You'll never go soul winning without a sword, without scripture. And I would dare say that if you go to war, you want to know how to use that weapon. You would hope at least somebody taught you how to take the safety off and how to shoot straight and how to reload the gun. I'm saying it's the Christian's responsibility as we go to war to have our sword ready and to take the effort and the time necessary to memorize some scriptures. And you say, well, if I I have my Bible with me all the time, well, then at least know where they are. So you can turn to them and show people what the Bible says. And so what I'm saying is when we engage people in conversation, it must be scripturally based. Now, I I can't tell you tonight, if you want to say, well, I want to reach Daniel Smith, how would I engage him in conversation? I can't tell you that. Because if you're Daniel Smith's neighbor and you know him, you need to engage him in such a way uh, that, that you can spend some time with him. Talk about lawyer stuff, I guess. I don't know. But find what it is. But listen, you have a far better chance of leading your neighbor to Christ than if I knock on their door. Let me say this. Years ago, I was preaching at Bible Baptist Church in St. Thomas for Pastor Stone Missions Conference. And he said, hey, we got this guy at church that when I put your name in the bulletin, he says, I know him. I used to work with him. And I said, really, what's his name? And he told me his name, and I didn't remember the name. I, I remembered his first name, but I didn't know the last name, and his first name was Chris, and I thought that could have been anybody. But I just don't remember that last name. And so I waited till I got there, and I saw him, and as soon as I saw him, I thought, I know Chris, I know him. I used to work with him in Port Dover. He says, yeah, he says, uh, Chris accepted Christ. He says, somebody was out door knocking, knocked on his door and told him about Jesus. And he got saved and I got to baptize him. Now he's a member of the church and he's helping in Sunday school. And I went, 
Somebody's going to get a crown in heaven for that, and I wish it were me. But it's not. To my shame, he told somebody I knew about Christ when I could have done it. I'm just saying you have a great opportunity with those around you. I've said this, and I believe it to be true. If everybody in God's church was following the Great Commission and doing what they were supposed to do and telling others about Jesus, we would not have time for an organized soul-winning program. We'd be so busy following up on converts and baptizing people and discipling new converts, we wouldn't have time to say, well, let's go Tuesday night. I can't go Tuesday night. We got 17 new converts we got to disciple. I'm just saying if we were doing the work that we're supposed to be doing, Christ would be honored and Christ would be pleased. And so make sure that as we engage in conversation, number one priority is to know the scripture. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm glad I broke this into two messages because my time's up and we're not even in the first point yet. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's read there. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Listen to this. But if our gospel be hid... It is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Look at verse 2. But we have renounced, Paul is speaking, the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, listen, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. We're not here to manipulate people. We're here to give them the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul says we've received this ministry, and it's so important we've learned this. We cannot manipulate God's word. We must not handle it deceitfully, and we've renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, and we don't walk in craftiness, but instead we preach the word of God. We must allow the scripture to provide the convincing. Listen to this. Look at note in your notes there. Facts are only effective if somebody already believes them. You say, what do you mean by that? You can go and knock on somebody's door and you can be flat out in their face and say, hey, do do you realize you're going to hell? If they don't believe in hell, what difference does it make to them? You can talk about heaven. You can talk about all kinds of things. But if they don't believe in the scriptural place called heaven, it doesn't matter to them. So we must use scripture. We must prove it to them from the word of God. Now, if they, if they turn down scripture, that's between them and God. If they deny Christ, they'll stand before God and answer for that. But if they deny your clever misrepresentation of, uh, of trying to manipulate somebody into a church service, then that's on you. We must use the word of God. Why? Look at number two. The spirit must prick the conscience. So here's the point. Scripture and the spirit always work together. Always work together. 
If I can give you an example, somebody might stand up and say, well, preacher, the the Spirit has told me that all dogs go to heaven. If you don't have a scripture, the Spirit didn't tell you that. Okay? The Spirit has already spoken. Because all scripture is given by inspiration of God. This is the Spirit's word to us. It's funny, Brother Kevin uh, said to me a little while ago, I said, hey, would you... you, uh, uh, share that testimony, the testimony he shared last Sunday night. He was scared to death. He didn't want to do it. And he says, well, if the Lord really laid that on your heart. I said, I already asked you, so you already did lay it on my heart. What are you doing? Somebody else one time I asked him, I said, hey, would you, would you give a little devotion? And they said, well, if God gives me something. I said, God gave you 66 books. What do you mean God gave you something? <laughs> and that's the truth. The Spirit has given us something. And the Spirit always lines up. So when you're establishing communication with somebody, you have to use Scripture because the Spirit blesses the Scripture. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 7, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Why? That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. So what is he talking about? He's saying the Spirit of God works through it. Why? Because we're not handling the Word of God deceitfully. We're just preaching the Scripture, and the power of God is working. Some of you know Pastor Bertrand over at Walsh Baptist. The first time I ever met Pastor Bertrand, we were sharing a funeral. It was Jim Wilson's father, Garnet. And uh, Jim had asked me to have a part in the funeral, and Pastor Bertrand was... The, where the Wilsons had gone to church for years, and so the funeral was there. And Pastor Bertrand didn't know me, and so he was nervous that I wasn't going to preach the gospel, and I was nervous he wasn't going to preach the gospel. So he came over and sat in my office one day, and we talked, and we talked, and we talked. And I found out that their church was overflowing their pews. And he says, it's, it's kind of funny, he says, because I went to uh, their convention part of the Baptist convention. And so I went to a meeting and they asked me if I would sit on a panel and they could ask some questions about church growth. And they said, Pastor Bertrand, your church has been growing considerably considering you're a little country church out in the middle of nowhere in a little village called Walsh. And what, what program are you using? And he says, I, I just preach the Bible. Yeah, we, we know you preach the Bible, but what program are you? Well, I, I preach verse after verse, line upon line, precept upon precept. I just preach the Bible. You've got a great big growing teen program. What, what is it you're doing? He says, I just preach the Bible. And he says, they were dumbfounded that the Bible still works. He says, they couldn't believe it. He says, I nearly got kicked out of the convention because I preached the Bible. He says, they thought I was being a smart aleck. Hey, the Bible still works because the Spirit of God works it. And so when we're talking about engaging in conversation tonight, I want you to understand I can't give you clever little ins and outs. Every person is different, how we communicate with them, how we talk with them. That's why it's important to win your friends to Christ because nobody communicates with them like you do. Jeff Masker and I have been friends for years. And when he calls, he'll say, literally, Hey, Big Ugly, how are you? My wife doesn't get away with that. She thinks it, but she doesn't get away with it. But he and I communicate differently than a lot of other people do because he's known me for so long. 
And he probably doesn't like that I told you that because that's just between us. But you have something with everybody that I don't have. And so you have a way to get in and communicate, but it always has to start with Scripture and the Spirit and the power of God. All right? So the Spirit must prick the conscience. Why? 2 Corinthians 4, look at back in our chapter, verse 4. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. You're dealing with blind people. You're dealing with blind people. They can't see it. So they need the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to stop there tonight. We only got through point one. But understand, and this this is just the very foundation. This is just where we're starting. We have several more points to look at over the next couple weeks. It might, might take us three weeks now. I don't know. But when engaging in conversation, just just get it in your head right now tonight. There are two things that are necessary. The Scripture and the Spirit. The Scripture. You say, where do I come in? Paul said, Cephas planted and Apollos watered. I'm getting the names all mixed up. Cephas planted and Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Listen listen to what else he says. I'm paraphrasing. He that planteth is nothing. He that watereth is also nothing. Don't think you're too big in this process. It's the scripture and it's the spirit. It's God that gives the increase. Because here's the truth. We've had too many people come and go that are our converts and not Christ. Scripture and the spirit. We've got so much more we're going to talk about. And this is just kind of a tip of the iceberg type of thing tonight, but our time is gone. Let me encourage you. Would you pray that you can be here next Sunday night as we continue on the next couple points about how important it is and how we can share the gospel effectively with other people? All right, let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. Speak to our hearts tonight. Lord, we're just going to take a moment as we close our service. We're going to pray. And we're going to, each one of us, ask you to lay people upon our heart that need the gospel. That might be an open door of utterance for us. So stir us, Lord, to kind of get back in that active mode of realizing and understanding the commission that there's consequences for those people who never hear the gospel. And Lord, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Daniel's going to play softly tonight. I want, I want you to do this. I want you to just start praying about a few people. You say, well, in the next couple of weeks, I want to learn more about how to lead somebody to Jesus. We didn't get very far. And so I don't want you to leave here tonight and say, well, that didn't really help me. We're just starting, okay? But say, I want, to, I want to come and I want to learn a little bit more so that when this is done, I can go and tell this person. But here's the thing, you need boldness, you need courage. Satan will try to stop you. So start praying now. Somebody you can tell about Jesus before it's eternally too late.